Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Magic to My Ears. I'm Abby Filsinger. And I'm Colleen Cullen, and this is the podcast for everything and anything Disney. I personally don't know much about the big man himself, and that's why we're going to be thoroughly discussing it. Well, it's for you, those of you who don't know, his full name is actually Walter Elias Disney. Obviously, I'm the one who knows a lot about the man. <laughs> but, um, so we're going to talk about some of the more you know, typical aspects of his life, where he was born, who his family is, yada, yada, yada. But then hopefully delve deeper into more of the unheard of parts of his life, things that most people didn't even know that I didn't even know until I started researching it. Um, but first and foremost where he was born. He was born in Chicago of December 5th, 1901. And his parents were Elias, makes sense, and Flora Disney. And he actually had four siblings, which I didn't know about. I only, I only knew about a brother that, that helped him with starting up, but that's yeah, it. That was Roy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know about any of the other ones. Um, but the other ones were named Herbert, Ray, and Ruth. And I love the... Ray, Roy, and Ruth. Mm-hmm. The three R's. It's so cute and quaint. I know. It's Some people will stick with the theme, like all J names or all M names. But this isn't all R names, which is kind of funny. It's it, like, who came in what order? Do we know? I don't actually... That would have been a good thing to look up, but I didn't look it up. No, next time. <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, so the family actually didn't spend a lot of time in Chicago. They were only there for about six months, during at least when Walt was born. And they actually ended up moving to the small town of Marcelin, Missouri. Hmm. Which, uh, fun fact, that is what Main Street USA and Disneyland is actually based off of. Oh, okay. I thought it was after New Orleans. Oops. <laughs> that would have made more sense, I guess, because of the Penny Arcade thing. But, True. But, yeah, I mean, you notice, like, the little quaint things that they have in there, like the little windows. I think I showed you that one time. Yeah. Yeah. You always hate it when I do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... So they lived there for for a little while, and this was actually a big part of Walt's childhood. He's actually gone on record saying it was the most fun of his childhood that he ever had. Because they had a small little farm in the family, and there was this big oak tree in the middle of the property that he called his dreaming tree. And that's where he spent most of the time on his farm, and he was actually supposed to be watching his little sister Ruth, but I don't think there was a lot of that going on. Oh, well, she could have been out there with them. Yeah, but watching seems more like you have to be watching. Yeah, actively watching. <laughs> and it said that he was closing his eyes while he was under the tree, so that's part of watching. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so he'd spend a lot of his time there, and this is where Walt began conceiving some of the, his most beloved characters, and this is where he actually came up with the Silly Symphony cartoons. Oh, okay. You know, the one with the, um, the big band visit? Yeah. Yeah, that's the most famous one. My earbud came out. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway, so during this time under his dreaming tree, he had what he called his belly botany adventures, which I'd never heard of. And this is when he would lay on his stomach, and he would just kind of listen and watch around him with the bugs and the animals and everything, and that's where he came up with the Silly Symphony cartoons because of all the different noises. Huh. What does botany mean? To me, botany isn't that, like, study of plants. I have no idea, but um, that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, we'll go with it. Um, So you'll find a lot of the cartoons that he came up with when he first started were based on things that he did in Marceline. 
and that's why it's such a big part of his life, and I think that's probably why he did Main Street after it. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the Disney family had to leave Marceline because the farm didn't exactly do as well as his father had hoped it would. So we bid farewell to the childhood of Walt for in Marceline anyway. And they ended up moving to Kansas City, where you'll probably know a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Do you recall that, the, that his father actually had a newspaper? Yeah, I do remember that. I, I did know that, especially uh, when you visit Disneyland. Like, there's a specific building. Yeah, Elias, um, you know, I think his father was on the newspaper company. So uh-huh. He, yeah. And in Saving Mr. Banks, they talk about that. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the darker times in Walt's life because his father wasn't known to be the nicest person in the world. Mm. I mean, again, child abuse is different than it was today. I mean, I'm not saying he abused them, but he wasn't the cuddliest guy to ever lived. Yeah, no. Back then, you were you were in charge of your kids, and you weren't trying to be their friends. You were just trying to get them to get out and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, just like, just go be kids. Do what you need to do. But... Yeah, and then grow up. <laughs> grow get out. Get out. <laughs> but this wasn't, that wasn't even what he was doing. He was like, you know what? You're my kids. You're going to work for me. So he, oh. yeah. That sounds better the way you described it, but oh, okay. <laughs> he would have the boys just, um, I think mostly it was uh, Walt and Roy, mm-hmm. but they would wake up at 3.30 a.m. seven days a week and fold newspapers and then deliver them throughout the town, and this was in freezing cold conditions because it was Kansas City, Ooh. and then they had to go to school. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to ask with the whole farm thing if they did get, you know if they did get school in there, like, what kind of education he had to, but I'm, I'm hoping that you're gonna get into that later. <laughs> I mean, he had the basic education that any kid his age would. Okay. I don't think he was, like, deprived of, you know, a learned, however you well, would say. Well, I mean, people, you know, you hear about people growing up on farms and stuff, and they have, like, the, the only so many grade reading level, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense for where he grew up, I guess, in the time period. But yeah, he did have a basic education. Okay, good. Um, So then, luckily, they didn't stay long in Kansas City either. They ended up moving back to Chicago. And that's where Walt would really start to experiment with his drawing. He would get more confident. And he actually started drawing for his school newspaper. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that actually didn't last long because this is... You will find this particularly hilarious. Oh. So, he decided that any everything that he wanted to do in the world, the only thing he wanted to do was be in the American Red Cross Corps in Europe. Oh. At the age of 17. That's all he wanted to do. Hmm. Far be it for me to judge. But he was not 18. Okay. <laughs> so his lovely mother decided, oh, it's okay, honey. You can go in. I'll just fake your age. That's fine. Oh. Can you imagine our mothers doing that? I mean... No, I'm I'm in my early 20s and my mother still doesn't want me to leave. <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you met my mom, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love you. Uh, anyway, so he did go to the Marine, he, the Marine Corps. He went to the Ambulance Corps. For nine months, he drove supply trucks and ambulances and chauffeured important officers around and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1918 in France. But again, it only lasted for nine months. So he, after that short period of time, he came back to Chicago, but only for another short period. And he didn't actually attend college. He didn't attend high school. He actually didn't complete the last couple years of high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... It wasn't the farm life that did it. He just chose to. He was like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm good. 
So he left and went back to Kansas City, which kind of surprised me, because why would you want to go to a place that held such and bad yeah. memories for you? But I guess he thought that there'd be some money in it and that he'd be able to make something for himself. But that's, I mean, that is where he started his drawing career, but okay. not in the sense of money. Mm-hmm. He did not make a lot of money at all. Nah, who does? <laughs> Honestly, starting out, nothing. I mean, still, I'm, we're not starting out. We still don't make any money. Nope. <laughs> in our careers. Um... But, so again, he didn't make any money, but he did learn a lot while he was there. And this is where he would learn animation, and this is where he would start his animated series, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I'm assuming that he had help and, like, inspirations while he was there, or was he just kind of free-willying it? (laughs) He started to meet people that were in the business, so he kind of, like, got some inspiration from there, and he met other people that were in the same boat as he was, so they kind of just went off of each other. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's better than him just soloing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, he... Before he could do Oswald, he got his first job working for a place called Pesman Rubin Commercial Art, uh, where he would design letterheads and advertisements, and this is where he met up iWorks. Do anything about him? No. No. He's uh, Walt's longtime best friend. They did a lot together. They started um, the Walt Disney Studios together. They, they oh, okay. I mean, he didn't end up being in Walt Disney Studios, but he was a big precursor to that. Oh, okay. He helped design Oswald and helped actually design Mickey. I never, I've never heard that name before. Oh, okay. Well, you know, learn something new every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Oh, brother. <laughs> We're going down that road already. <laughs> We're like eight minutes in and you're already making a Mickey joke. I'm not making a Mickey joke. I'm doing an impression. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to the mouse yet. I know. (laughs) Too early. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Um, Anyway. (laughs) So um, he met up iWorks, but they only lasted a couple of weeks there and they actually got laid off. Oh. Yeah. But who cares? (laughs) They're lost. They uh, actually started working for... Oh, no, I'm sorry. They started their own animation company, iWorks Disney Commercial Artists. That was in between jobs. Mm -hmm. And that did not last long. That's probably why nobody's ever heard of it. Oh. I had never heard of it. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that that was a thing. And that was Walt's one folly, is that he was very creative, but not very good with money. Oh, I mean, yeah. who, I mean, who is, but when you're starting out a business, you might want to know more. Yeah, normally with uh, business partners that I've seen in, you know, that I've been able to talk to, there's one person who's the dreamer, one person who's, like, the mm-hmm. groundwork, the let's get paperwork, let's do finances. So if both of them were kind of on the creative side, then that makes sense that it wouldn't go well. Yeah, I mean, Roy was more of the responsible one, and he wasn't there at the time, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, that it didn't really work out very well, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, downfall, mm-hmm. they got jobs working for a slide company called Kansas City Slide Company, where they would make one-minute advertisements that would appear before, you know, big films in the theater. And that's where Walt learned how to about animation. That's how he learned how to do it. Okay. First off. And in 1922, Walt actually left the film ad company, so he wasn't there for very long, and started his studio, Laughagram Films. Have you heard of that? Laughagram? Uh, that, I'm sure I've heard it before, especially with us going to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, I'm pretty... 
The only reason that I might know it is because in one of the shops in Disneyland, they have a little laughogram thing yeah. where you turn it and then it goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's the only reason that I know it. I mean, it's kind of like something that you kind of know, but it's not really stuck in there. It's it's like a kind of a known fact, yeah. but it's it's kind of a weird little part in Walt's life because that was really the precursor to when he started really working on Walt Disney Studios, but. It, he did well, but then he got in some trouble with some big wigs and, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but the good thing about this is he was able to enlist some of the biggest names in animation. You're probably, I barely know any of these people, but some people might. Um, so that was of iWorks, of course. And then Hugh Harmon, Frizz Freelang, and Carmen Maxwell. And those were all the guys who ended up doing Looney Tunes. Oh, okay. So that's where we, where other people might know him from. I wasn't a huge Looney Tune person, so I didn't really know a lot about them, but there's um, not much you really yeah. need to know. They just, they were big, they were other big animators that Walt knew, and he was kind of like, hey, why don't you come aboard and help me out? Okay. So that lasted for a little bit. All right. Yeah, well, to me, the Laughogram films, it's kind of like the girlfriend that you have before you meet your wife and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> or like the, the boyfriend before that, and then you meet, you meet the one, and then you're just like, wow, that was so insignificant. <laughs> just just forget opinion. about that. Exactly. Just my opinion, though. Uh, it's it's a good opinion. Just kind of shocked me there. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> kind of a shocking thing to say. But... Oh, gosh. I know. That's, that's bad, but it's kind of No, no, it makes sense. Just. You're not used to hearing that yeah. talking about Disney. <laughs> true, true. This lighthearted was... child thing. <laughs> You're talking I about ex-girlfriends. I know. It's just like ex-girlfriend you forget about. <laughs> You're like, ooh, <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh God. So, um, in a minute, we're gonna go into Laughogram films. Form films. I can't talk. <laughs> and what that really entailed and what that looked like. All right. Awesome can't wait for that because then I'll be able to see what this Laughogram films was really like. And not an ex-girlfriend. True. <laughs> okay, now we're going to be talking more about Laughogram films and it's the first um, really big company that Walt started with all of his compatriots. And this is where he first made the popular film, which I didn't really know about that. I mean, I know that much about it. I've heard of it, but, you know, it was in, like, the early 20s, so it's, mm -hmm. like, really old-fashioned. It was called Alice's Wonderland, not to be confused with Alice in Wonderland, and it was actually live-action. Okay. So it's where he first started, you know, working with adding things in later, you know, like painting mm -hmm. things. Oh, yeah, like painting it on top. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was starring a little girl named Virginia Davis, and she wasn't the only one who played Alice or a couple other little girls because, you know, she got older, so she had to mm -hmm. uh, change it up a little bit. But, so, she enters a cartoon world full of wonderfully weird <laughs> things, but um, one of the main characters is actually a cartoon cat. <gasps> Cheshire <Yes>. cat! <laughs> no, oh. actually. <laughs> His oh. name was Julius. <laughs> Julius? I don't know what to After tell you. After Caesar? I mean, hopefully not, but... <laughs> Who knows? It was the 20s. Yeah, true. We don't know where they got their inspiration from. And nor do I think we want to know. Especially not with the real Alice in Wonderland. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. That, that's a whole other segment, though. I know. That's, that's... a whole other episode. <laughs> um, you know, the, it was mostly just about this little girl just wandering around this weird, brilliant, brilliantly painted world. Mm -hmm. And all that action again. And it's really where Walt kind of started to 
you know, use whatever he could. He's like, oh, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that, I'm gonna try this. Didn't really matter, he's like, as long as it looks really bright and, you know, wonderfully odd. That's, okay. That's what I'll use for it. Um, so, Lavagram Films lasted for about a year and a half until Walt had to declare bankruptcy because, again, not great with money. Mm. <laughs> Many other fine qualities, just not good with money. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, you need someone who, like, has the grounding capability to say, like, okay, like, let's not go too crazy with this. Let's mm -hmm. let's do that this he way. He took so many loans, and it just like you, that you kills just, you. You can't just take loan after loan after loan and be like, oh, it's fine. I'll pay it off when I'm rich and famous, because it's like because that doesn't happen right away. No. Obviously. I mean, luckily for him, it ended up okay. But yeah, for the first you know long time, he really didn't have anything going for him. And he got stuck with a bunch of big wigs who were really like, oh, perfect. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm gonna oh. have him sign a bunch of shit and just kind of, oops, sorry. <laughs> Explicit. I'm gonna have him sign a bunch of stuff and just kind of go for it. Oh. Yeah. But, um, so, again, wonderful ideas, just not a lot of business Savvy. ideas. Yeah, that was more Roy's thing. Okay. Roy was an animator. He wasn't, you know, he was a nice guy, but he wasn't as imaginative. He wasn't, like, the guy that you'd go to for, like, a wonderfully odd idea. He's the kind of guy you'd go to for, like, hey, I took this loan out this many years ago. I need to pay it back. How do I do that? Okay. So that would come back later. But so in July of 1923, Walt left Kansas City and to go to Hollywood. Where Roy was actually, he was already in Hollywood. So he was like, I'll go stay with my brother. Okay. And he took a loan from his uncle. $500 loan to take the train to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So, more loans. <laughs> so, he wanted to start what he would call the Disney Brothers Studio, which again is getting very close to <laughs> Disney okay. Studios. Uh, and this is where he would really start the new idea that came from Alice's adventures to... Um, Alice comedies and those there would actually be a total of 57 films in the series so it went over quite well people really liked it okay which I was surprised by because I don't think the first Alice in Wonderland the other the you know the newer one really went over as well are you it, talking about the newest one that not not the one with Tim Burton sorry the the you know the the animated the, the animated one but the newer one from the 1920s Oh, okay. Because whenever you talk about that movie, people either love it or they hate it. There's really no in-between. There's um, a book, and I think when people can use their own imagination for that type of story, then that will capture them more than versus having someone say, this is what this looks like. Yeah. And putting it on a screen in front of them. Especially because the ideas are so controversial. I mean, it's basically True. about somebody who's kind of having a bad trip. Yeah, that's... Mm, which is why we don't want to know why the motivations for everything. We don't want to know. <laughs> we, we know a little bit, and that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, he started the Alice comedies and made 57 films, and Walt both directed and produced them. So, we started getting a little better with the more businessy, less imaginative sides. He started, and was this because his brother was working alongside him? Or? I think a little bit. I think it was more about him just starting to get his feet wet more and not just diving into the first thing that he saw. And maybe, like, and maybe actual success. Yeah, I think he was like, oh, this is working. So okay. maybe if I can just make this continue on and I can figure out what I'm doing, then I can make this actually be a thing. Okay. I know this was a wonderfully cohesive sentence that I just put together. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Due the, to the success, success of these films, uh, Walt and his associates, um, Ub Iwerks and uh, Ham Hamilton, 
which I love that name. I was gonna say, like, that that is either made up or that's awesome. That That is a name, boy. <laughs> that is, that's all I can say is that is a name. Oh, dang. Like, who are your parents and who did this I know. to you? I know, honestly. <laughs> um, so this is when they were actually able to, after since all the success and all the money was coming in, they were able to create Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Okay. Do you know anything about Oswald? Yes. Okay, good, good. good. You can stay. <laughs> You're allowed. Um, Oswald, as many of you probably know, he's the bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, he was right before Mickey. He looks a lot like Mickey, except for he has yep. blue shorts and he's a bunny. But mm-hmm. same basic principle, no shirt, <laughs> pants, yep. black. Well, because, you know, even back then, people still didn't like nipples, period. <laughs> Just such a weird way of saying that. What? So, all right. <laughs> little little segue here. Okay, segue. Um, so, back in the day, men's bathing suits had a tank top, so yes. they wouldn't show their, their manly nipples. And, you know, of course, women had to still wear, like, dresses as a bathing suit. True. And, 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 you know, at some point, everyone just got over the fact that because man nipples can't produce anything besides hair, then, you know, then they were non-sexualized. And so then characters could have nipples. But you still don't see Male a lot characters. of that, though. I was gonna I mean, no, Hercules true. does, but, like, that's because he's shirtless for a lot of it. Not shirtless, well, but he has, like, the little half tunic thing. I didn't, Aladdin didn't have nipples. Oh, that's true. He didn't. He did not. That is very true. He did not. So it that it's a little hit or miss. Well, there, also, why but would you want that's... a bunny to have nipples? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you gonna defend this? <laughs> it's. I mean, all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm waiting for an explanation on this. Cause... Okay. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. So, it all. Male animals still have nipples. Yes. They still have them. They're just they just don't look the same. They're just little bumps on their skin. And male rabbits have this. That that is true, but again, that's a cartoon character, so you don't car- want him to look too lifelike. Well <laughs> And also he's he's anamorphic. On. He's anamorphic, so true. you don't he would look like a weird rabbit man. True. Um but anyway, so the reason that I think that they wouldn't have nipples on this character is because of the time period. No one wanted to see them anyway. Yes. And in real life animals, they're very small and insignificant anyway that people don't even notice true again it's also a cartoon (laughs) it's also a cartoon and that was made very very early on before people were more okay with being open so let's get back to i love this segue so much i I love it it's my favorite thing in the world (laughs) i cannot wait to replay this later and just laugh oh boy (laughs) it's okay i love you my mom's (laughs) gonna be so proud oh yeah christina aren't you so proud (laughs) so proud and my mom is just rolling her eyes at this point probably (laughs) Uh, anyway. Okay, so, so shirtless, got it. <laughs> shirtless, Mickey Mouse looking, but bunny. Um, they made 27 animated Oswald one-reelers. You know what a one-reeler is? Mm, I'm assuming of where it, it was it's one, it's where, one reel. Yeah, yeah one reel of film. So it's not that long. Yeah. It's very self-explanatory. I mean, it's it's context clues at this point, right? Yeah, and then there are frames per second, you know, versus now. It's yeah. It's ridiculously different. I mean, they, so. were, they were mostly, like, little shorts in front of films. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where they started, and then I think there was a little bit more of, like, its own feature. But most of the time, it was uh, just in front of things, like what we see today with Disney shorts. Yeah. 
So uh, that start that was that went really well. People really liked Oswald. They were a big fan. And but however, in 1928, Charles Mintz, who Walt had tried to work with to kind of give him more advice about how to how to run a business, he was one of the ones that kind of took advantage. Okay. So Mintz took the rights of Oswald from Walt because of a contract they had signed that didn't really come to fruition. Oh. So Oswald was then an official Universal Studios character until now, obviously. Oh. But, yeah, for a really long time. That's why we didn't really see a lot of Oswald stuff at Disneyland or any of the other Disney parks. Or... Oh. That's what that makes a lot more sense then. People didn't know about Oswald. He was just this rabbit that kind of existed for 0.2 seconds and then kind of exactly. went away. Yeah. He was just known, I feel bad because he was just like known as the precursor to Mickey. It's like, poor guy. Yep. <laughs> like, he tried his best. Uh, but then... And in November of 1928, oh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I am skipping ahead. I wrote notes and I didn't, I didn't uh, read it through. I'm seeing um, a lot of arrows on your paper. Yeah, there's a lot of arrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, um, to add insult to injury, Charles Mintz also hired away most of Disney's animators. So it's just like it's like really, really, you took his character hired and hired away. Like, like he he gave them better contracts. He's like, I can offer you more money. Oh, so he was just completely separating. Yeah, he was just like, okay, fine. You don't want to come with me? That's fine. But I'm taking your animators. Oh, okay. And the animators, you know, they loved Walt, but they're like, look, I gotta make money. Exactly. You know, I gotta do stuff. But I feel bad for Walt because he really thought that they were gonna stay with him no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because you think, you know, we've been through this together. My earbuds. There goes the earbud again. This is going really well. I feel so professional. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, you think about something like that, I mean, how hurt would you feel? You're like, I know you gotta make money, but we we made this character together, yeah. and now you're just leaving me. I I would be... I would be pissed. Yeah, I mean, Walt, well, he was pretty forgiving, though, so he was like, okay, okay whatever. Do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. But, um, since Mimmons couldn't make him come to the studio, he's like, look, well, I'll do the same thing for you. I'll make you a great offer. I'll make you, like, a head animator. You'll have a great life. And Walt's like, no. I made this character, clearly I'm doing something right, because you stole it from me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do something else. So, you know, knowing our Walt, he kept going, even though actually his best friend, Ub, Iwerks, left him too. Really? When I read that, I was pissed for him. <laughs> and he went with the... With Mintz. <sighs> he went with Universal. I was pissed. I was like... In the, I was pissed from here. Mm-hmm. I was reading this like, really? This was years ago. Yeah, I know. This was before I was born. I, this is before Disney this was a thing. Before our childhoods. Oh god. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, now in November of 1928, as a replacement to compete with Oswald, here comes the mouse. Oh, okay. And I'm here not gonna make comes. a Mickey joke. Now. Oh well, now you gotta make a Mickey joke. I'm not doing it right now. <laughs> Oh, so I got it. You do it first beforehand. Now you're not going to do it now when we're actually talking about him. Well, the, <laughs> before it just, it just came naturally. It just came naturally. <laughs> it was organic. I know. It was great. God, I hate that word. <laughs> anyway, um, now, <laughs> moving on <laughs> from the shenanigans, um, there are many different stories involving how Mickey actually was born, mm-hmm. as it were. A lot of people love to say that, you know, him and him and his wife were like in the kitchen, and like there were, there were two mice that came along, and they're like, "Oh, Mickey and Minnie." There is a story about how he wanted to make Mickey Mouse's name Mortimer, but luckily his wife was like, "No, no, that is an ugly name. Oh, okay. that is not going to be beloved by children everywhere." And she was correct. Okay. I mean, who names a cartoon character Mortimer? 
It's when you're looking to be unique, I mean... Yeah, but it sounds like an old man name. It sounds like my Uncle Mortimer that's, like, 98 and, like, dying. It's, yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, back in the day, like, those types of names were popular. That is true. Because, I mean, nowadays, we think of those types of names associated with older people because that's who has that kind of name. True. That, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enough about Colleen being right, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the different stories were Walt sitting on a park bench and a mouse scampered by him, you know, and he was like, oh, a mouse. That's a okay. good idea. But the, the one that's mostly um, agree with to be the true story is that he did have a pet mouse when he was at Lapogram on his desk. Aww. Yeah, so he, he grew fond of that mouse, and I think that's where he got the inspiration from Mickey. That's what I choose to believe anyway. That's the one that he said was true. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, even sometimes you make it up because you, know, you want it, you want it yeah. to be cute. You know, well, then again, I've had two pet mice, and they were, they're adorable. I mean, I would have them, you know, hold them, hang, have them hang out on my shoulders, and like, and they can be affectionate. Especially a single male mouse, that they actually can bond with a person. Aww. Yeah, because they will be territorial with other mice, things like that, but they'll actually bond to a person. That's Whereas, the cutest thing I've ever heard. I know, and so I had my two females because they would keep each other company in the cage and all that stuff. And then, you know, I'd take one at a time and hold them, play with them, that kind of stuff. You know, put them in the little ball and then they would run around the room. And... You know, that's how females are, is they would be more grouped together, you know, because it was helping a village, you know, raise kids and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And even though they didn't have a male or babies or anything like that, it was that same kind of camaraderie. So male mice, a single male mouse, can definitely bond to a person. And obviously here it created an impact, so I can believe that story. Yeah, I mean, I'm choosing to believe that story. I am choosing to accept that as... as, uh, as... I 100% see that as feasible as what could happen because I've experienced that where, you know, um, a little small creature like that that most people think are gross, you know, aren't terribly common as pets. I don't want to know those um, people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But anyway, I'm sure you know. You just haven't poked and prodded enough. But I can 100% <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm going to just accept this as law because I think it's the cutest story ever and it makes more sense for why he would be so bonded to the character. Mm hmm Because you, know, you hear all those stories about him saying, like, I didn't, you know, I love Mickey, like, family, you know, he's, he's mine. Because mm -hmm. even though Oswald, he created him, it's like Mickey was, like, his, you know? Yeah. It's like, sure, Ub drew him, mm -hmm. but, you know, it was, it was Walt's child. You know, yeah. he came up with the idea, I want a mouse named Mickey. Yeah. So, and you, let us take a moment to thank his wife for changing the name. Yes, We sure. owe you a lot. Yeah, no, Mickey is much, much better. I just can't hear, you know, the, you know, Mickey Mouse Club, you know, Mickey Mouse Club, you know, that doesn't roll off the tongue with Mortimer. Uh, true, and I'm sure if it was Mortimer, they would have changed something about it. I know, but it still doesn't sound as fun. No, it definitely doesn't. It's not as cute. It's just not as, I don't know, I don't like it. I will, how I'm thinking is uh, Mortimer, like it has, makes feel like mortal, and you know, and like, it's just a weird name, man. I just, it's just, true. <laughs> you're just trying to find a reason that it would work. Okay, <laughs> any, any god character, and if they have reference to humans, it's like the silly mortals, and so, <laughs> I, 
it's that's where I think the negative connotation is coming from. Okay, fair enough. Okay, negative, but that's better than you trying to to save it. Yeah, I, st- I still don't like the name. Though. No, it's terrible. <laughs> if you name your son Mortimer, I'm I'm gonna disown you. As a oh, friend. Good. good lord. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so Mickey Mouse, Walt's pet, became Mickey that we know and love today. Um, but what's interesting is that. As Up actually drew Mickey before he eventually left the company, Walt actually voiced Mickey. Uh, you mean with the whistling? With the whistling and when he eventually became, like, a, a sound cartoon. Oh! If you watch some of the old stuff, you're like, oh my god, that's so weird. Because you're like, you're hearing Walt Disney's voice as a young man. Okay. Being a mouse character. I think that's so cute that he kind of, in a way, bonded with, you know, made Mickey himself. Mickey was kind sure. of, he kind of actually has said on occasion that Mickey was him as a mm-hmm. younger man. Okay. Because going back to Marcelin, um, I forgot to mention that most people would see Walt, if he wasn't underneath his dreaming tree, he would be leaning in over a pen of animals and just drawing them, Aww. like dancing. So he loved animals so much. So I think that really stems from why he made all of his characters mostly animals okay. in, the, in the beginning. The Silly Symphony cartoons, you know, they're all ducks and cows and moose. And that's where that's where he got it from Marceline. Yeah. all the animals that lived on his farm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so Walt voiced him. And the first Mickey Mouse cartoon that came out was called Plane Crazy. And that was during the time with the whole aviation thing and the spirit of St. Louis and all of that, you know. Okay. People were really into aviators. Okay. So he wanted to join in the frame with like, okay, perfect. This will be the perfect way to kind of put Mickey into the front lines, you know. Okay. This thing is just not staying with me today. No. I can't do it. I'm switching ears. (laughs) It's not going to work. It's not going to (laughs) fit. No. You might just have to tape it to your ear. (laughs) Just glue it. Just never. I'll just keep podcasting for the rest of my life. (laughs) So, plain crazy. And it was introduced as a Mickey Mouse sound cartoon. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was much sound in it. Again, I've never. I tried to find it. I couldn't find a lot of it because there was only one theatrical release, and it was not well received. Okay. People were not feeling it. They were. They were not into it because I think you had all the other cartoons coming out. So just kind of like it was just noise. another another one. Yeah. yeah. It's just like okay, fine. It's a flying mouse. I I don't mm-hmm. want for me. So he was kind of put off by that because you know he was really proud of what he'd created you know he had this new character that he's like i did this myself i didn't just have another animator put this in my head he's like i wanted this character to be mine mm-hmm. but so after playing crazy it so it only had actually one test screen at a theater in uh, on sunset boulevard mm-hmm. and that was on may 15th 1928 so not very long after um up left okay and again the film was not a hit and it was it actually wasn't released for a very long time because they were trying to get more appeal for it okay because you know i think it's still today but i think back then it was much harder to get things released because people really wanted it to be like a raw rock kind of thing like oh my god we love this <laughs> they wanted everybody to be in on it you know okay. they were very worried about you know nowadays they put crap out all the time and nobody cares <laughs> oh now they have the money to do it true very true so i think that's that was probably the difference is you know, they didn't have just the money to burn through. Yeah, I mean, now, they, I mean, hot up time machine, come on. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. What, what was that? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even see it, and I was like, that hurts from here. I know, but I, we, we'll talk, we'll, do, we'll get into the whole, like, good film, bad film kind of thing. Yeah, later on. Yeah. Just had to mention that real quick, it's been bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Walt was inspired by what they called talkies back then. 
So like movies that had sound, movies that people would speak through, not just have okay. little titles underneath. Yeah. I, I for whatever reason I thought of like the chip. What? Talkies? Oh, talkies. Oh, I was I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's spelled different. It is spelled differently. Very differently. <laughs> but anyway, that's when you first said talkies, that's when I thought, like, what? I don't think they had talkies. <laughs> Probably not. Um, I know you wish they did, but I don't think they did. I don't like talkies. What are you talking about? Ah, what are you talking about? Ah. Oh, brother. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm so punny today. Only in the second segment, <laughs> we're already getting bad puns. Oh, I know. Leave a comment below if you'd like to add more puns to our segment. Oh, God. <laughs> so... He was inspired by a movie called The Jazz Singer. That was one of the first uh, talkies they ever that people ever created. It was live action. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about it. I've I've never seen it, but it's a very big deal apparently. Okay. <laughs> I got uh, in my film class talked about it a lot. I okay. For life, me remember a lot about it. But <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. he was inspired by it, so that's where Steamboat Willie came along. And I'm just gonna hold this earpiece in my ear. <laughs> and it was. Especially notable for being the first Disney cartoon with synchronized sound. So, like, not just sound, just, like, thrown in there. Okay. Just, just for giggles, you know? It was, like, you know, Steamboat Willie, when he whistled, a whistle came out. You know, when he blew a horn, a oh. horn sound came out. Yeah, everything was kind of connected to each other. It was, okay. Yeah. So, it, again, it was not an immediate success. Mm-hmm. People were kind of, like, interested, though, because they are like, oh, this is mm-hmm. new. This is not just a random you know, silly cartoon. This is, like, actually has, like, some real art to it. Okay. And it was actually premiered at the Colony Theater on Broadway at 53rd Street in Manhattan, which is interesting, and I couldn't really get a straight answer as how it got all the way to Manhattan and not just in Hollywood. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, how did they get it from, you know, Sunset Boulevard to here? I assume it was to get a wider release, but again, I couldn't find a really straight answer. A bunch of different things said, like, oh, he was in New York at the time, like, that doesn't give me any information. Yeah. Like, why would he be in New York just randomly? He never That, been... and then it also was a reel, right? Yeah, it was a reel. So, I mean, I guess he could carry it, but it's like, you'd have to find a theater to do it, and it just... Yeah. I assume it was, it's, again, it, something it that Roy... It seems too complicated. I'm sure they had some something going yeah. on. I mean, again, Roy at this time, which I kind of forgot to mention, was his manager. Okay. Kind of. He was getting more into the role. Okay. So he was, kind of, he was probably the one that was like, you know, well, let's take this to a different city. Because they've seen a lot of our cartoons here. Why don't we take it somewhere they haven't True. So get a, like, different, different it, demographic. It? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the one that's bad. I've been, you know, having marbles in my mouth this whole time. <laughs> so, again, it was a synchronized sound, but it also had character sounds, you know, which means, you know, Mickey mm-hmm. whistling. Yeah. And, you know, Pete, Big Bad Pete, you know, coming mm-hmm. on the boat and taking Mickey, Minnie, mm-hmm. and her screaming and stuff, you know. And then it also had um, a score, though. So, you know, when something bad happened, you know, the little violins would go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Very dramatic. hmm And, again, it, it wasn't a huge hit, but it was enough to kind of show this is what Walt can do. This is what it, he it's, wants to it, do. It got them a spot on the map. Yeah. And, actually, funnily enough, the premiere November 18th, 1928 is how Mickey got his birthday. Really? Yeah, which I thought that was adorable. <laughs> Okay. I almost started crying because that's so cute. Oh. Because I was always wondering how did they, ba- you know, he's 90 years old this year. So I always wondered, like, how how did they base this on the year Walt was born? Oh, okay. Or I figured not because Walt would be over 90 by now. True. But I was like, where, where are they getting this information from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so 
interesting enough. Um, I've always seen, you know, when you follow something on Facebook or any type of social media, they'll say like, oh, it, it they would say like, oh, it's Mickey's 80th anniversary this year or something like that. And I would wonder the same thing, like, what does that mean? And so I guess what you call birthday or anniversary, like, then that makes more sense to me. Because I had no idea what that meant. If that's when they were created, if that's when they were animated, drawn on paper for the first time, like I well, didn't know. Because like Harry Potter makes more sense because that's the date that she gave him, that J.K. Rowling gave yes. him. Yes, but mm-hmm. this is just a date, and so it's like, yeah, it wasn't the date he was drawn? Because that's too like, how do you date that? <laughs> but, I mean, there were probably a million different conceptions for Mickey made. And yeah, there's so, probably tons of different drafts, things like that. Yeah. So that yeah. makes more sense. By the way, you should everybody should go look that up online because it's quite funny how different he looks when he was first made. You know, because mm-hmm. we see that round headed Mickey. Yeah. But in like plain crazy, he had more like an oval nose and more like an oval face. It was a different, he was still cute, but he wasn't like this big <laughs> kind of, you know, mouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. He looked like an actual mouse. He he was more, he had a tail. It was realistic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now he doesn't have a tail anymore. True. Well, like when you see him at the parks, he doesn't have a tail. Yeah. There's no tail. <laughs> I, I was always very confused about that as a kid. I was like, where's his tail? <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, especially because in the earlier films, he did have that little squiggly line of a tail. Yeah, so cute. And Mickey and Minnie don't have their little tails and a heart, Mm -hmm. you know, which is so cute. Um, Anyway, enough about my finding everything adorable. (laughs) Um, So, it was, this was really the time when Walt showed that he could make these popular characters that everybody would come to know and love. Because, you Mm -hmm. know, you had Minnie, you had Mickey, and you had Pete. Mm -hmm. Pete was the first villain. True. So I thought that was fascinating to remember because I'm like, oh yeah, what was the first major villain? He was the first major villain. And Pete's technically a dog, right? Is he? Because I, I, I mean, in later in later movies, they have him and Goofy as being kind of friends. So I'm assuming that they're the same. Huh. It. Yeah. I mean, I guess if Goofy's a dog, I guess Pete could be a dog. I mean, Goofy <laughs> still doesn't make any sense. I mean, why does he talk and why and can't Pluto, Pluto does talk? It? it doesn't make I any sense. It's prejudice. <laughs> 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 That's a whole other segment. The prejudice of Pluto and Goofy. <laughs> Tune in next week. Oh God, this <laughs> will get really dark real quick. It'll get. Oh, it'll it'll just go deeper and deeper into just all kinds of stuff. Oh, I mean, if you let us talk, if if this was actually went on for like three hours, we could get really dark. Oh sure, really bad, really fast. <laughs> Um, but jumping into more happy things. Yeah. Um, let's get back to happy stuff. Let's get back to happy. Uh, after Steamboat Willie premiered and debuted, as it were, um, Walt contracted a, per, um, a man, a man, named Pat Powers and his, what was called a Sinophone Technology, which is how they put music into the cartoons. Okay. So again, Walt was on a hook. He had to contract this guy. He had to work with this guy who was the other big mucky muck. Okay. And at this point, I'm thinking, Walt, well, stop getting involved in these big guys. Like, mm-hmm. this is what's doing you wrong. <laughs> yeah. But again, he didn't, you know, what was he going to do? He was, he didn't have any money. He didn't have any acclaim. He had Mickey. That yeah. was it. So he's mm-hmm. like, I got to figure out how to do this without costing a lot of money. So he's like, fine, I'll just go with this guy. Okay. Um, and that's how he put all of, that's when he started putting all music into the Silly Symphony cartoons. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, cause the other, I think the other ones were mostly silent. I think they had a few little things here and there, but they weren't okay. this loud. Thing. Yeah. It was mostly, you know, put in after and that kind of stuff. And that's when it's not synchronized. It's just kind of a mush. It's just not really yeah. there, but it was still fun cause it was different. Mm-hmm. But he started putting the sound and people were like, Oh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. 
So the Silly Symphonies cartoons, which is what we talked about earlier with how he got the inspiration for mm-hmm. with all the animals, which I thought was really interesting. Because I always wondered why are all his cartoons animals? Yeah. Well, I mean, that and if you think about it, um, kids and even adults still, like, we... We know what humans are about. We know what they look like. Um, but if you do like a humanoid animal, like that's interesting. It's fun because people who like like I had, I had mice, and so Mickey Mouse is a little bit cuter to me because I know mice. So, and that's why I think it's mostly animals. It's just because people are more interested in that versus people. True. I mean, you don't. Yeah, because you really don't get a lot of human characters until you see Pinocchio, and I mean even Bambi. You don't. There's no. You don't see them. You don't, you just, you, God, oh, we can't talk about that movie. No, I will, we can't. I will cry, I will cry, I will cry. <laughs> that's, end, done. Um, so this is when he started doing the sound and everything and all the silly symphonies. And I'm, I lost my place now. <laughs> um, in 1929, however, is when some of the problems for Disney Studios started. There we are. Uh-huh. Um, again, <laughs> Pat Powers wanted to control the the new and improved Mickey Mouse, as it were, because he's like, you know... And I'm assuming that's the guy that had the... The machine, yeah. The, yeah. The uh, Cinephone technology. Cinephone. Okay. Cinephone. That's Cinephone. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, you know, I gave you your start. I, I helped you figure out how to do this. And Walt's like, well, but Mickey's mine. You know, I made mm-hmm. him. Technically, I drew him, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I, I came up with him. Mm-hmm. He's mine. And Pat's like, well, you wouldn't have sound without me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we can go around in circles all day long with this. But so the same thing that happened with, with the mints happened with him. He took his staff. He offered them better wages. And he said to Walt, hey, again, you can come with me if you want. Walt's like, no. But it was, a, was he able to keep Mickey? He kept Mickey. Okay. But he just couldn't do it the same way he was doing it before. Oh, okay. He didn't have the crew. He, I mean, again, Pat Powers couldn't really take over Mickey because I think at that point there had been a there, patent reach. Okay. But it was more about the fact that he couldn't have much control as he would have liked. Oh, okay. Because Walt this time was like, I'm going to make Mickey like a series. Okay. And Pat was like, well, you can't do that without my machines. Okay. So Walt had Got to it. kind of grovel around a little bit and try to find out how to do more of what he had already been doing. But Walt didn't let this bring him down. Okay. <laughs> as before. And he continued to make Mickey the most beloved cartoon character of all time. <laughs> as we all know this today. Okay. So in a minute, we'll get into more about his... Uh, family life for a quick sec and then we'll go into more about mickey and how what other stuff came about okay perfect yeah because earlier when you mentioned like his wife named the character Mm -hmm. i was wondering like when did she come in (laughs) she was interested enough before we stopped this segment she's actually been there for a lot longer than i thought that i remembered okay she's been with him for a while actually all right can't wait Right, welcome back. <laughs> of course, if you're listening through this all the way through, it's been like a second. True. <laughs> but so now this time, since you were so curious about his wife, mm-hmm. I'll go in a little bit about that. During all of this craziness, he somehow found time for a love life. <laughs> oh, well, that's not terribly hard. <laughs> she sips her glass of water so, I don't know, seductively, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call that seductive. Uh, dang it. What's the word I'm thinking of? Something vindictive? vindictive? I don't know. Are you vindictive? Are you, are you angry at Walt for finding love? 
No, it's just, you know, most men do. <laughs> we don't have time to unpack all this. <laughs> we don't have time to unpack all that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so he ended up marrying one of his employees. Uh, from which company? From, she's, she'd mostly been there through the main company, through Walt, um, through Disney, Disney Brothers? Brothers, yeah. Oh, okay. You were listening, yay. Yay. <laughs> um, she was one of the, she was in the ink department. Okay. She was mostly focusing. I'm pretty, there's been some speculation that she was an in-betweener. Do you know what an in-betweener is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know what in-betweener is, they would put in the final touches to, like, you know, the animators would draw it, they'd bring them out. Like, for Snow White, they'd have her dress, and then they'd paint the dress in. Mm-hmm. Stuff, and mostly, very controversial, but mostly women would do this job. Yeah. Because well. clearly we weren't good enough to do the main stuff. I, well, think of the time period. <laughs> think of the time period. I'm a feminist. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Lillian Bounds was mm-hmm. her name. Mm-hmm. And she worked in the ink and paint department, more specifically. And, oh, she was actually mostly, she was mostly a secretary, I forgot, but I think she later became an in-betweener when they got into more Disney, like, the bigger Disney company. Okay. But she started as a secretary, and that's where she met Walt. They just, okay. They'd been friends for a while, but then he popped the question, and they had mm-hmm. uh, two daughters, Diane and Sharon. Okay. One of them's adopted, I believe it's Sharon. And by all accounts, they were wonderful parents. Okay. So clearly Walt took more of a page from her, his mother's book. Yeah. Again, Elias wasn't a cruel man. He was just not for around nicest. the edges. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I don't want to speak ill of him because we don't know the whole story. Especially but... because when he was born, uh, 1900s, that kind of stuff, is the same thing of like, you weren't there to be your kid's friends. No, you were there to like authority. Yeah, authority, exactly. Authority. You know, math. <laughs> Get it done. Um, so... They had their two daughters, wonderful parents, and in an interview with Diane, she said some wonderful things about him. She Mm -hmm. said that when Walt was home, she's quoted saying, when he was home, he was very much home. Okay. So he liked to keep his work and his family separate. Oh, okay. Which can't be said for many men of that time. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd bring their office home, you know, they'd come home at like eight and then they'd still be working and, you know, their wives would bring them... Or, you know, just sit in front of the TV and just... Blake blank, plays over, yeah, but out, he was yeah. a very, he was not an absent father at all. He was very much there for them. That's good to hear. And for those of you who don't know, he actually was really into trains, <laughs> which I think is adorable. Okay. So he had a huge train set in their backyard. He actually had a train that he could sit on. Wow. So he would do that with his little girls. Oh, that's so yeah. fun. Really cute. <laughs> uh, but moving on to a little more, <laughs> less fun stuff, uh, the Great Depression. Oh. But surprisingly... This did not really affect his company. Okay. It kept growing, despite everything else that was going on. And I think it was probably because of the, de- of the demand for more entertaining, you know, lighthearted stuff. Yeah, for people to escape. So he had more of a box office for that. You know, it's not like he was selling furniture. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it was like the same thing when you people would sell scarves. They had, there was more of a retail for that because okay. people were cold. You know, was, they weren't living. They were living on the streets. So there was exactly. More of a, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. The company continued to grow, and Disney continued to experiment with more animation, with color and sound, and all of the basics, all the trappings mm-hmm. for um, what makes the movie. And in 1932, Walt actually won his first Academy Award. Okay. So yay! <laughs> and it was for fur. It's fur. Four. <laughs> it was for um, one of his animations, Flowers and Trees, which I saw the first couple of seconds of. It's kind of racy looking. It's like the tree, the female tree, has boobs. 
Oh, like little mounds? Like little like little mounds with like, you know, like it's like a bra. She's wearing a bra almost. Oh, okay. And then like it's all these guy trees like trying to like court her. And like one of the oh. older trees is like this really old, decrepit man like coming up and like, hey, you know? Oh. Like, and she's like, no. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, though. <laughs> So I thought that was a little weird for the time. I was like, this is offending me. <laughs> and I'm in, this is 2019. Well, especially with, um, in that time period, uh, flappers, the yeah. ideal woman was thin, 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 thin. And so for him to draw a mound, hmm, <laughs> makes me wonder. What was he into? <laughs> yeah, what was his type of woman? I guess, well, I don't know. I've never seen pictures of Lillian. I mean, she's like your typical looking woman. She's very sweet looking. Hmm. Look it up when you get home. It's, okay. She's very sweet and innocent looking. Hmm. So Flowers and Trees was actually part of the Silly Symphony cartoons. Oh. So it was like one of like the many, like I think there's like box sets now that's like the Silly Symphony cartoons and there's like a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Like with the, um, the band concert, which is the one we all know and love. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that ride at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. The one that replaced that giant orange peel. <laughs> Oh. The one that you and I love to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's for you for those of you who have never watched it, you should, number one. But it's <laughs> I mean, you know about it. You want to describe something about it? Oh no. I you're much more of the detail oriented. I'll talk more <laughs> about stuff I know okay. when I can. <laughs> okay. Well, it's about like a band concert, obviously, and Mickey's the band leader, and uh, you know, they're playing just really fun songs, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere a tornado comes and sweeps everything mm -hmm. up and all of the characters are actually still playing their instruments in the air <laughs> oh it's okay. super cute and like you know you've seen it though yeah i have but it's been a, been while. a while yeah but like you know there's a cow circling in air and you mm -hmm. know they're all like holding onto their instruments and it's like that cool it's almost like the flight it's the flight of the bumblebees that okay playing. um so that's you know of course that went off really well people loved it okay and Soon the classics that we all know and love started to come about, and by 1939, the studio needed a larger facility. So Disney built the Burbank Studio that we all drive by now, mm. you know, with the big uh, wizard hat that yep. you see on the freeway that I point out to her every single time. Yep. She's always like, I know where that is. <laughs> I know where we are. <laughs> and that, you know, it seemed that nothing could really bring Walt down. And unfortunately, that was not true. In 1939, there was a labor strike. Not mm -hmm. 1939, in 1941. Whoops. <laughs> 1939 was when the studio needed to be bigger. Okay. 1941 was the strike, and this is because, I mean, if you think about it, the studio was doing really well. Mm -hmm. Walt did not up their salary. They worked around the clock. Oh. They were pissed. They're like, why? I work here. <laughs> I'm here more than I am at home, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting paid any an, a livable wage. Yeah. And, of course, then a hierarchy began to form you know walt and the executives as it were you know would get better plans they'd get better they'd get more money they'd get more opportunity and the you know the plebeians mm -hmm. <laughs> would be staying there until 3 a.m working on his projects okay so they decided okay fine you're not gonna meet our demands we're gonna we're gonna stop working for you mm -hmm. so luckily it didn't last very long but the the main reason actually that they say that it mostly started was because unbeknownst to them, Walt did have to make layoffs because the first couple of um, movies that he made, um, Pinocchio and Fantasia, mm -hmm. 
they were not well received. No. People did not like them at mm. all. Most of us know that. Fantasia was a huge miss. Yeah. Because it's so weird. I mean, we love it now because it's really weird and different. But back then, you know, people didn't like different. They wanted the same yeah. camaraderie. I mean, no offense, but a hippopotamus in a tutu isn't exactly my version of fun. <laughs> it's not? No! <laughs> Give me Tarzan! <laughs> oh, there there are the nipples again. Ah! <laughs> we traced it back. <laughs> and on to the real segment about animated nipples. <laughs> Nobody's gonna watch this. Nobody's gonna listen to this. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Pinocchio and Fantasia... Yeah. Did not go well. Um, and the strike did end in a couple months, but a lot of the employees still were like, I don't want to work for you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to, if you're not going to respect me for an artist, then I'm not going to, you know, they got better offers from other studios. Okay. So they left. But Walt did have enough people. It was still Disney Studios. People knew that it was going places. So they're like, yeah. we're going to stay. We're going to stick it out. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Walt, again, he wasn't a businessman, so Roy was more the one who said, you have to do this, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Walt didn't want to do any of it. He's like, I don't want to lay people off. I don't want to do this. And Roy's like, if you want this company to stay afloat, you have to do what I'm telling you. Okay. So, of course, Roy was a good guy, but he had more sensibility than Walt did. Yeah. So, Walt felt very betrayed when his, when his artists left, when his mm -hmm. animators left, because, you know, they were like his friends, his family, but, you know, you can't expect people to stay when you're laying off all their friends and not telling them why. Yeah. They're just kind of there, and you're like, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, no, that's not good job security. No, I mean, especially for the amount of work they were having to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard horror stories. People were like, my hands never went back to the same size. You know, they had calluses. Oh. Mm -hmm. One of my friends is actually, she was trying to be an animator, and she's like, oh, yeah, in school, she's like, her fingers would, like, bleed. Because you had to work on it all the time because you had to keep up what you were learning. Yeah. So for these people who were professionals, they worked all the time. Yeah. Like, almost seven days a week sometimes, and they just, you know, that's not a way to live. No. But... Luckily for Disney, he recovered from the turmoil of the 1940s, and he gave the public what they wanted. The famous movies like Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, one of your favorites, mm -hmm. and Lady and the Tramp, and Sleeping Beauty. They all kind of came about in the same like mishmash of like the years. Like, okay. Kind of one after the other. So he really started to turn out some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was going really well. I mean, he had good animators by his side, and again, we start to see. We'll do this in another in another episode, but there are different styles of animation that you will see that I've told you about. You know, mm -hmm. the Renaissance, which is like Little Mermaid and stuff. Yeah. So again, that's gonna have to be a whole segment. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, at this point, he also started to dabble in live action films. So he made twenty four pictures between nineteen fifty and nineteen sixty one. Some of them including a movie I've never heard of, Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Family Robinson, which actually used to be, that's what the Tarzan treehouse used to be. It used to oh, be this okay. was Family Robinson house. Okay. And The Parent Trap. Oh, okay. Yep. Not, that's the, one a good one. not the one with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah, I know. The other, okay, yeah. The, the original. Other yeah, the original. And this is where we would get into the building of Disneyland. Okay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we have an, we have a live studio audience in here. <laughs> so Walt had been wanting to build Disneyland since 1932. Okay. But he was having a lot of road, you know, stops because there wasn't a lot of money. 
that he had to build that. There wasn't a lot of lots that he could use. He kept getting denied by different cities, like, you can't build here, you can't build here. Okay. And he, he had his eyes on a 16-acre plot directly across the street from his studios, because, of course, that would be the obvious choice, because then mm-hmm. he could just go back and forth yeah. without having to move that far. But, again, got turned down by the city of Burbank, and but knowing our Waltz, that didn't discourage him to go on to try and find people who could find a place to do it. So, a lot of people weren't really into the idea. Because they knew Walton. They're like, you don't have the expertise to do this. Mm -hmm. You don't have any real estate knowledge. You don't have any business savvy. You don't know how to get a good deal on land. You don't know how to not spend an enormous amount of money doing something. Yeah, not not almost bankrupt yourself. Like, several times. Yes. And, you know, of course he got this far, and his brother's like, dude, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stop. Mm -hmm. You're doing really well. So, he went to a couple different people, and by the late 40s, the concept of what would later become Disneyland be- began to take shape. You know, people were, they were drawing it out. They were mapping it out to see how big it would be. Okay. And, again, people weren't, still weren't thrilled. They're like, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're really good at, anim- you're really good at animating. You're really good at voicing Mickey. You're really good at imagining things, but you're not good at actually doing what needs to be done to get it done. Okay. So, there were some people, though, that liked the idea. They were like, mm-hmm. okay, this could work. If we can get this off the ground this can be something this could be something worthwhile mm-hmm. and he the problem was that Roy kept saying if you do this and it doesn't work this is gonna kill us this is gonna okay. ruin this whole company yeah and Roy's like I'm a big part of it now too this yeah, has been so most of my cover life himself. yeah so he, he's thinking okay fine if this is he because Walt was not gonna let it go he's like I really want to do this I've been thinking about this since the early 30s now 1942 like let's yeah. let's get a move on mm-hmm. so he eventually formed a creative team which you're gonna recognize this name not this name but the next one uh would become w-e-d enterprises which w-e-d stood for walter Elias yeah. disney yep and this would be a precursor to imagineering okay you know what that is yes i yeah. do for those of you who don't know do you want to explain no no <laughs> i'm trying to give you stuff here man <laughs> Mm, I know it's, it's not my expertise. Fine, it's the design for roller coasters and more, you know, technologically advanced things. So, mm-hmm. like when they talk about the Yeti, the new Yetis at um, both of the Matterhorns, mm-hmm. the Imagineers did that. Oh, okay. So they would put in there like, okay, this one's kind of old. Let's think about another way for it to move. Let's, you know. Okay. So that was the start. This was the start of that. And in July of 1953, Walt hired the Stanford Research Institute to examine the economic prospects of developing Disneyland and to more scout out a location. And by August, the site had been found in a city called Anaheim. <laughs> and Disney acquired 160 acres of orange groves. Wow. Which, whenever I hear that, I start to tear up. <laughs> orange groves. They're fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you ever just either gotten lost in one? Uh, personally, I've ridden horses through them. I have done none of these things. Oh. Well, that's fun. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> Calling segment on orange groves, everyone. You have a snack while you're at it. <laughs> um, it was, But it was also walnut trees, and it was alongside the new Santa Ana Freeway at the time. Okay. And Harbor Boulevard, which I forgot about. <laughs> They're, like, side by side. Mm-hmm. And while all the particulars were being worked out, on September 
a Saturday, Walt had tracked down Herb Ryman, who was an artist friend of his, to help him draw more of the, like, details of Disney. Not just, not just like, how big it would be and whatnot, but, like, you've seen those, have you ever seen those concept art ones? Yeah. Disney? Yeah, they're really pretty. Mm-hmm. And that's where they came together. They were like, okay, this is where Fantasyland would go, this is where this and this and this. Okay. More colorful, not just a blueprint. Okay. So... That actually became known as the Lost Weekend, because a lot of people don't know what happened during that time, because it was just the two of them. Oh, okay. To my knowledge, anyway. Mm-hmm. And this, he talked about his version for Disneyland while Herb drew it out. Okay. So he was, like, saying, I want this to be this colorful, this this bright and whatever. Yeah. And so Herb took that and was like, okay, let me see what I can do with this. Okay. To make it, to make it, you know, because Walt, again, he was this very imaginative guy, but didn't have a lot of sensible. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make it as big as possible. They're like, no, no, you have 160 acres. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, pause. Mm-hmm. And so while this was happening, to promote Disneyland, Walt actually um, made a show for it. Which they actually show in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. When he's saying, this is a pixie bell, this is not an ordinary bell. And he's floating, oh. and he's like, Tinkerbell, get that stuff off me. You know, mm-hmm. he's, which is so cute. Oh, okay. Um, my mom says she remembers seeing that on, like, a rerun when she was a kid. Yeah. Of course, this is, bef- this is um, before our parents were born. Okay. Yeah. 19- 1955. So this is before our parents were born. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, of course, my, they, by that time, they were um, already... Uh, in, ses- in session for Disney when our parents were born. <laughs> Colin's looking at some dogs. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, it's a terrible habit. But there's a puppy. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, Nobody's got to listen to this. <laughs> I just, so you think. Okay. So he started with the, the bell. The bell, yeah. Yeah. That's where you lost me. <laughs> It's all right. I love you anyway. <laughs> um, so he would promote, you know, he'd say, like, oh, let's take a walk through Frontierland. Let's do this. You know, like, mm-hmm. imaginings of not actual Frontierland, but, you know. Okay. And then he'd give progress reports mm-hmm. <laughs> about um, how Disneyland was going. Okay. Which I think is very important because people were probably excited. You know, they're like, oh, my God, this is something that's never happened before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they had theme parks, but not, like, theme parks. Yeah, not, like what we're seeing today. I mean, not even, like, not Sperry Farm. You know, true. they didn't have stuff like that. It was more like they had, like, maybe a Ferris wheel. Well, Coney Island. Co- that's true. Coney Island. That's very true. Yeah, but again, but it wasn't, then. like, an amusement park. It was, like, a a, a pier, I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah. Like the Santa Monica Pier. Yeah, very exactly. Yeah. Something like that. So it was, like, close to, like, the ocean, and, like, you could go in the ocean and also play around. But, like, this was, like, just a theme park. Yeah. This was just... You, you went there for what was in there. Yeah, you didn't just go like, oh, it's next to the beach. We'll go there too if we have time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so he would just he would talk about the park and everything, and talk about what was going to happen and everything like that. And then it opened in on July of 1955, the 17th. And this is unfortunately where the story takes more of a sad turn. So the park wasn't. The park was open for, um, at, till 1966, which is when Walt... Of course, the park was still open now, but this is the only amount of time that Walt got to see the park. Mm-hmm. Because in 1966, Walt was diagnosed with lung cancer due to his heavy smoking, using cigarettes with no filters. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. No, they didn't know. Exactly. But it's very sad because it wasn't a very long battle for him. Mm-hmm. It ended very quickly. 
he it was very sudden. I'm, I read something earlier that there wasn't enough evidence to really put in the podcast, but they were talking about that a lot of his co-workers were like, oh yeah, I noticed Walt wasn't feeling very well that day, and he, you know, just kind of left the office and then didn't come back. And that was the night that he was admitted to the hospital. Oh, okay. Because it got really bad that like, he couldn't stop coughing. He couldn't, you know. Oh, yeah. But, but what's interesting about Walt that I thought was so charming is that he never wanted to see, he never wanted people to see him smoke. Oh. See, because he didn't want to condone bad habits. Because he knew it was a bad habit, but he, he couldn't kick it. You know, he was stressed. He, that was what yeah. he did for stress relief. Mm-hmm. So, and they actually mentioned that in Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. Remember when he's in his office, you first meet him, and he's smoking, and he puts it out. He's like, sorry, I don't want to condone bad habits. Mm-hmm. He yeah. usually smokes behind closed doors. Yeah. So, again, the battle wasn't long, and on December 15th, 10 days after his 65th birthday, uh, he died, and he was cremated two days later, and his ashes were put at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California. Very sad end for a great man, but mm-hmm. luckily it wasn't it wasn't a long-suffering illness, and we still pay homage to him, actually, at the park. I think I've shown you this. Mm-hmm. He, for those of you who don't know, he had a little apartment above the firehouse, mm-hmm. right when you enter the park, and when he was in the park, he would put his little light on in the window so people would know he was there so they wouldn't like you know so give him a warning like mm-hmm. the big guy's here you know mm-hmm. don't don't screw around so in honor of him they keep the light on mm-hmm. all the time which when i first heard that i was like oh yeah that is that is very it's so touching it's very charming another fun thing that they actually used to do at the studio when walt was in the corridor is they would say man is in the forest <laughs> just like in bambi mm-hmm. which i thought <laughs> pretty funny yeah. Man is in the forest. Just imagine doing that when your boss comes around. I want you all to try that now. <laughs> next, next time you go to work. Um, anyway, so this is now the end of the podcast, but just to kind of close, um, I don't know about Colleen, but mm-hmm. Walt has really, obviously, in- influenced my life greatly. Mm-hmm. And most of my childhood was filled with Disney. Yes. I mean, I went to the park probably once a month mm-hmm. maybe every other month yeah and i mean colleen and i used to go all the time <laughs> yeah we've been a couple of times and i mean it's always the same thing of where you'll point out oh this this means this this she and, gets you know, so annoyed with me <laughs> after it's a not, while it's not annoying it's adorable <laughs> is it <laughs> yes it is but it's so even though he wasn't around for more of the what i would call the glory days mm-hmm. um he was definitely there for the stepping stones to get there and so his influence is obviously in majority of his movies and even if he wasn't around for the initial releases anything like that i i know that he was around for the ideas you know pre-productions of some of our favorite disney classics Mm -hmm. so he still had a piece uh in it you know even after his death which is nice yeah It, it just it's just so sad that he had to die in that way because it was so quick and just not really like I mean I'm glad he didn't suffer but mm-hmm. like it's just it's so unfortunate because it was just it was like this one little habit that he did and it just didn't blow over well. Uh, yeah, well I mean when you think about it, um, it's I I think it's almost poetic because he he was perfectly fine was going to work all that stuff and then all of a sudden poof magic poof poof. Magic. Magic? Well, (laughs) you have to think about it in the positive. That's true. That's very true. And so, I mean, 
any of us, I think I would rather have a quick than, you know, slow fight. True. That's very true. I just, I feel bad for his family and for his friends because they just said he came to, he left work and then he just didn't come back. Yep. And they heard like a week later that he died. Mm-hmm. It's just so unfortunate. But again, he left, he left such a big mark on the world. I mean, on the world, not just California. Yeah. I mean, with all the Disney parks that are being built, I think there's rumors of another one being built, like, in Australia or something. Uh, that I have no idea. Something about All that. I know is uh, the extension of the one here in California, uh, Disney World in Orlando, that one is also practically out of room. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still building the new um, Star Wars park in ours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is, crap, what is it called? Star Wars Land? No. <laughs> There's actually another name for it. I can't remember. It's my brother would know. He's gonna kill me now. The last <laughs> I heard, though, that's what it was. But anyway, it was something's end, or I don't know. It, sorry, Jack. <laughs> You'd know more than I would. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, what his philosophy was that Disneyland will never be finished mm-hmm. as long as there's imagination in the world. Aww. It's such a sweet sentiment because it really is never finished. I mean, they keep adding things to rides. I mean, just just uh, a year ago, I think, or two years ago. Haunted Mansion, they added the Hatbox Ghost. True. Of course, that was an older one, but they brought it back. They fixed it, you know, and Matterhorn keeps undergoing changes like every other year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They keep changing the seats and they keep changing the Yeti. I don't know. Yeah. I can't keep track. (laughs) It's, it's improvement. It just, I think is amazing. Cause you know, you look at other parks and like, they don't change ever. Yeah. True. I mean, if anything, they put new things in, leave old things as they are, but you know, even the first rides of Peter Pan, things yeah. like that, they've improved That it. changed. Mm-hmm. Drastically, by yeah. the way. Yes, true. Check it out. It's an amazing ride. <laughs> but I'm, I'm now just going to be a, you know, can we have our money now? Yeah. <laughs> We're free advertisement. <laughs> but anyway, leaving on a sweet note, um, as Walt would say, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. Mm-hmm. That was his famous quote. I have it hanging on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, he was just a wonderful man, and he really just brought so much color and light to the world. And any ending thoughts for you, Colleen? Um, Walt Disney's life was more complicated than I thought it was. I I knew of certain struggles, but not of that many. I didn't, I, I mean, a lot of this was actually researched brand new to me. Yeah. I knew a big majority of it, but I didn't know about his other siblings. I didn't, I forgot about the newspaper thing until yeah. recently. True. And I didn't, I forgot about the strike, and the strike was a huge part of it. I, the only reason that I might have heard of it was because of something that my parents said in passing. But even then, I still didn't know that it was at Disney Studios as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, darker said Disney, but overall, I mean, he didn't do horribly for not really knowing what he was doing in the beginning. I mean, sure, he went bankrupt twice, but... But, I mean, when you're, when you're trying to do something big, like... If you don't fail, then, you know, he obviously wouldn't have learned how to do it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. (laughs) As our parents always say to us. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, so my ending thought is that he he had a lot of things that happened in his life of where he didn't let it slow him down, stop him, or stop him from trying to make magic happen and he did he made magic happen he i mean beyond all else he was like i'm not gonna let these little things stop me Mm -hmm. i'm I'm doing it yeah i think i think it was i think everything is how it's supposed to be so thank you for joining us today on this bright and sunny day and hopefully we'll be back soon 
with a new topic. If you have any suggestions, uh, I will try and figure out how to access your comments. Yep. <laughs> uh, new frontier for both of us, so be patient. But um, please, again, if you have any ideas and I can actually access them, please put them down. And hope you all enjoy. Hope you'll stay with us next time. All right. Thank you guys for joining us, and have a great rest of your day.